0: It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And I appreciate everybody that we had quite a number of people uh, that went to the um, funeral this afternoon. And um, I uh, certainly know that the Alries will appreciate uh, your. You're being there and supporting them and praying uh, for them. Amen. John chapter 13, and I would like to begin in verse 31. John chapter 13, verse 31. The Bible says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, "Now is the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him." Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one for another. And I want to preach to you about the greatest mark of discipleship and um, I just prayed for you and I want us to pray together that this word would touch our hearts and um, I know we're about 30 minutes beyond where we normally are and it's been a long day I'll try to be mindful of that And I'm also still coughing, and I've got a pocket full of cough drops, and I'll just keep preaching until I run out of cough drops. Uh, But I think I only have three, so let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you would let this scripture, this setting, Lord, let it sink into our hearts. I pray, Lord, to not, I want my heart to be receptive to your word. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And I would say the last time you were here together as a group, the church was the weekend Brother White was here, and um, I can't tell you how uh, complimentary he was of this church, and um, he said, again, it's not like that everywhere, and I am thankful that this church honors the Word of God, and I'm also thankful that this church uh, responds to the Word of God amen <laughs> greatest mark of discipleship there's a great cost for every one of us if we are truly going to be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ we live in a day where that it seems like that superficiality in Spiritual relationship seems to rule the day. It's a it's a meme. Uh, it's a bumper sticker. It's a Facebook saying. It's 240 characters in a Twitter post. And all of that sometimes can cause us to be so superficial in our relationship with the Lord. Increasingly, I would say three years ago or so, I really started giving consideration to this matter of asking myself is, am I truly converted? And I realized it here just a few months ago. I preached through Romans chapter 8 about the assurance uh, that a true believer has in the Lord Jesus Christ. And and yet there is that part where that... um, there, there ought to be a great sobriety in our walk with the Lord. John chapter two verse 23 Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and in the feast day, many believed in his name and when when they saw the miracles which he did. but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any man should testify of man, or needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. And then he goes on into John chapter 6, and there is that passage of Scripture, and I have read it multiple times over the last several months, starting in verse 60, that after that great miracle that this is what John writes, verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It's the Spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh, it profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him, speaking of Judas there. And he said, therefore, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And then this is the scary part. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And so this question is for all of us here tonight is, have you truly been converted? Jesus would also say this in John chapter 12. Beginning in verse 25, he said, "He that loveth his life shall lose it. And when he hateth, and when he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. If there is a true conversion that has taken place in our hearts, there's going to be attitudes and emotions and things that we sense inside of us that they will tell us, and they will, as some would say, that they would bear witness with our spirit, things like this. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you ever been in a place where that you just wanted to have a pure heart? Has there ever been that part where that you have prayed that you have asked the Lord, Lord, let my mind, spirit, heart, attitude, emotions, and motives be pure? I pray that you have had that experience. Luke 8 and 15, but that, On the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. I want the word to find good ground in my heart as well. And then Luke writes in Acts 15. Here's what he describes in Acts chapter 15 and verse 8. And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us and put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. You see that again. There is that matter where Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount about the blessings that comes to those who are pure in heart. And now Luke tells us that that. Here is the fact that these that receive the Holy Ghost, that there is a purifying that comes to their hearts. That's the greatest desire that, that we should have in our lives, is to have a heart that is pure. Luke goes on in Acts 16 verse 14, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worship God, heard us, whose heart the Lord openeth, and that she attended unto the things that were spoken of, which were spoken of Paul. And then here is for what Paul would write uh, to that young pastor there in Ephesus, and that word there, young, uh, Timothy was probably in his late 30s, early 40s. I feel good about knowing uh, that, but here's what he writes to Timothy. He says, "Timothy, 2 Timothy two twenty two, flee also youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart." Those are the things that can be expressed. Both on the outside by our actions, and then on the inside by the things that our heart hungers after. And there is something about it that is there a desire that I have? Is there a desire that you have to embrace holiness? A desire to to say, I want the holiness of God. I don't want the things that this world. Has to offer. If we truly love God, then we're going to obey his commandments. And therein is the cost of discipleship. Is that as we obey those commandments, then there are things that the Lord adds to our hearts and to our lives. We've gone to several two funerals here in the last month or so. And I have have uh had this thought before is that ultimately at the end of the day whatever is said at that funeral that I will take part in at some point uh, talking about my funeral its whatever things that are said about me at, at my funeral I'm in total control of those things that will be said about me and so if that's the case Then, if there is a desire in my heart to do well, then I have to live well. I want to, I know I'm going slow, but if I get loud, I'll start coughing. And so sometimes volume is not anointing. And I think Pentecostals confuse that. They think that the louder it is, the more anointed you are, and the more sweaty that you are, and the more you spit, then the more anointed you are. That's not always the case. And so let's just kind of meander through this, and that's not a good word to use, but. John 13 through 17. And I wrote this out in my Bible. I'm reiterating some of it. If you remember back in November, I was preaching. In fact, I was working on a lot of this message back in November. didn't preach it because of the holidays and various things, but now I get back to it. It's the upper room principles. Five chapters, 155 verses, 4,000 words. The first principle that I preached on was that one of servanthood. You remember Jesus, the towel, and the basin. The second one that I preached to you was about Judas the betrayer. And the second general principle that the Lord was getting at there was self-examination. And so tonight I with this third message I'll preach to you about the matter of self-sacrifice. And so whenever you start looking at these verses 31 through 35, if you if you freeze frame them there are some things that I would point out to you. First of all, there is a praise that's going to be followed by three areas that the Lord cautions us. There is actually praise that you find in the betrayal of Judas. Look there in verse 31. (coughs) The Bible says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God's glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Now, You'd think that sounds like a tongue twister. But look at the previous verse there in John. Notice what he says in verse 30. He's talking about Judas. He then having received the sop went out immediately and it was night. And notice what Jesus says. Therefore when he was gone out, this man leaves. And all of a sudden the atmosphere in that room was totally changed. Judas literally went out into a a night of darkness and as you well know it unfolded into a very horrible and horrific way. And yet with his absence, look what is said. It's said there that when Judas left, That Jesus is now glorified. That is uh, something that we all ought to keep in our mind. It's remarkable where that we see that when evil left, the room lit up. There was something about the room that changed. Churches could do well to remember that. Holiness can never tolerate those that are insurgents. Holiness in a church can never tolerate those that would betray the Lord. And churches that want to honor God need to keep that in mind that a strong spiritual atmosphere keeps things at bay in this place. And I think a lot of times that perhaps maybe it's a a pastor that is constantly, when service is going on, my mind is constantly running. I'm I'm trying my best to feel after the Spirit and, and to sense things out, the direction and the flow of the Spirit in this local church. It's important that we understand that, that again, a strong spiritual atmosphere keeps things at bay in the house of God. There are times whenever it it may seem like, and I know this may be something with the younger crowd, I am certain you've heard this story before, but 40 years ago, I think, That would put me at 15 years old, so 40, 41, somewhere in that neighborhood. Brother Patterson was in his study on a Wednesday night. And one of the shouters walked in and had this thing to say. He says, I'll tell you what, I hope we don't have an old boring Bible study tonight. We just need to have just a a shout down like we did Sunday night. Brother Patterson was sitting in there and he heard all that. Uh, That person shouted themselves right on out and has been shouted out, not the stuff you spray, but they've been shouted out now for probably almost that same amount of time. And I know sometimes that as, as young people, there's a tendency to think that, my goodness, all these old folks around here, they... They they got the routine going down, and it's always it's always prayer, and it's it's Bible study, and it's just coming to church, and and it's just singing, and it's just doing this and doing that. As you mature, you will start understanding the value of those things that takes place in a local church. And I would just tell you here tonight, there there aren't a lot of bells and whistles on doing that kind of thing, but. Those things are what create strong barriers in a spiritual setting. If a church wants to honor God, then there very well may be, may need to be some that need to get their spiritual lives cleaned up or that they immediately went out and it was not. It's alarming. It's alarming to me that people leave the church. It's alarming to me that there are times where that it, it feels like the Lord is moving in ways and, and you wonder, Lord, me, is it, is it me as the one that is standing in the need of prayer? Am I the one that seems to be in the place of a Judas, of a one that his life is holding things up? On the other hand, I believe that there ought to be a heart cry from every one of us here tonight to say, Lord, don't let my life deteriorate into that spiritual state. Help me somehow, Lord, to let you be honored and glorified in my life. I want my prayers to have some anointing. I want some prayers that that has some passion and some heart and some anointing in it. If that's the case, church, then you're going to be the one that is going to be totally in control of that. I can preach to inspire you. I can pray for you. Brother Patterson can preach to you and pray for you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, every spiritual growth that takes, every bit of spiritual growth that takes place in your life is going to be because you are open to the voice and to the hand of God. I recently, uh, I... uh, I'm trying to get better And my wife has told me before I got some buddies, some, some good friends And maybe if I was talking to Brother Mike He did say the other day that we were best friends and, and the only problem with him He's a long way away from me And I'm a long way away from him And so we're not as together as, as I would like But we'll, we'll fix that when we get to heaven but there are times that my wife has is, has is, is told me, said so y'all, you sound like an old woman. I said, what do you mean? He said, all that gossip and all that story and all that. Ta- I tell you, I, I. When she starts like that, I was like, <laughs> Teresa, you need to leave me alone. I'm a saint. I don't. I'm not a gossip. I'm. So I've been trying to work on that. However, I did hear. Friend related something to me recently is very much a bother to me, and and so I share that with you here tonight. Notice not gossip, but I'm sharing it with you. It's a difference between gossiping and sharing. I had a friend of mine and who went somewhere and while they were there, they were invited sort of impromptu to a meeting of a church and there was a group of lay leaders that were meeting together and this person begged off and said, I'm not invited. I hadn't been invited to that. And so I don't want to go. I don't want to barge in and impose. Oh, no, you won't be doing that and et cetera and so forth. And so this person ended up going. And when they got there, he immediately began to be grieved in the spirit because there was an observation of dress styles. It was an observation of conversation that was going on. And uh, he said, I felt every bit of a carnality and a wicked and even dirty spirit that was there at that place. And we shouldn't be surprised at that kind of thing. Because Jesus, one of his disciples, even though Judas managed to fly under the radar and managed to hide, nobody thought Judas was the one. No, not Judas. Judas has got the money back. Judas is, there's no way. And yet, It even took place among the Lord's disciples. Now, here's where you come into the picture. Because I asked myself, I I thought, oh Lord, if this person would have been dropped in the middle of a group of our lay leaders, what would have been the observation? would the room have been dark or would the room have been filled with light? It bothers me that when Judas left the room that the Bible says that the process of glorification began to take place. Now, if you still have your Bibles open, look back with me to John chapter 13 and verse 10. Notice what Jesus is saying. He's talking to Peter, and Peter's kind of gotten into that part about where that he's like, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet, but look at Jesus' response. After Peter said, Lord, not only... You know, if if I can't wash you, then you have no part with me. And then Peter said, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my head. He's saying everything be cleansed. But look what Jesus says in John 13 and 10. Jesus saying to him, he that is washed needeth not say to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And then John writes this, and you're clean, but not all. Not everybody here is clean. Turn over a page in your Bible and look with me to John chapter 15 and look in verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now what changed? What changed from 1310 to 153? Judas left. And when Judas walked out, the language of the Lord began to be so significantly different to his disciples. I I have friends, and they are men of God. And generally speaking, in fact always, this pulpit is something that Brother Patterson and I both are very careful about who we let come and preach here in this pulpit. And and there are times where that uh, even after the services are over, it's almost like I wish I could, could pull you in and say, look, I want you with us while we eat, while we talk. Because There's times, and I'm going to probably go out with my brother in law tonight after church. But I'm just telling you now, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, there are moments of fellowship that I have had uh, one on one, two, three small groups. And times that I talked to Brother Naylor up in Danville, or talked to Brother Douglas Walker up in Calgary, Brother Nate Royer in Sacramento. Or Steve Walls and even over in Albany, there are times whenever you're in a place of conversation that you're like, I don't want this to stop. I want it just to keep going. There's times where I've been in conversations with, with, with other men that, that I have just dropped, been dropped in there and had no merit of my own. And, and the fellowship, it was incredible. There have been other times where I've been dropped in places of fellowship and I'm like, I want to do everything I can to get away from this as quickly as I possibly can. And so the question that I have to ask myself is this, is that whenever I'm in a place that fellowship is going on, do I bring light or do I bring darkness to that room? And so it is that that Jesus, whenever Judas is gone, He's starting to open up some things to them that is going to stun them. They don't understand it. They don't don't quite get it. They're just like us. The Lord can bring revelation to them, but it's somehow that there's an impediment that, that it doesn't quite break through to them. And so when the Lord starts talking about this matter of glorification, it's not something that, He had been talking about, or just started that night, He had been talking about that for years to them. In fact, the matter of this glorification that had been promised is in the early introduction in John's gospel. John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word, it was God. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness. But the darkness couldn't comprehend it. Verse 11. He came into his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. "'To them gave He power to become the sons of God, "'even to them that believe on His name, "'which were born not of blood, "'nor of the will of the flesh, "'nor of the will of man, but of God. "'And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. "'We beheld His glory, "'and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, "'and it was full of grace.'" And it was full of truth. There were hints of God's glorification in this Son of Man. It it started in John 2 with the miracle of the water being turned into wine. It it went on and you could see bits of it in John 3 when Nicodemus came along. You could see it in John chapter 7 and John chapter 8 whenever he began to talk about rivers of living water. And he began to talk about a light that would shine that was the manner that Jesus was speaking of literally of his glorification and that is what the apostolic doctrine is about is that we look at him that he is son of man but he is also the son of God and he starts working on that it goes and, and it flows throughout the gospels and and here's where I wish I could sing. And I was picking it at, at Brother Clay and, and Brother Matt. I said, now, now, I want you to put this song up. And I said, I'm going to break out and sing it. And I said, and y'all help me. I wish I could sing this song. I can't. But William Booth Cliburn wrote a song called Down From His Glory. Down from his glory, ever-living story. My God and Savior came and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own, he was a stranger, a man of sorrows and tears and agony. Verse 2, what condescension bringing us redemption, that in the dead of night one faint hope inside God, gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Verse 3, without reluctance, flesh and blood, His substance, He took the form of man and He revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know Thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love Him, how I adore Him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great Creator became my Savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. The writer of Hebrews said that when you see Jesus, then you literally have seen the express image of God, that the Lord would walk this earth and that he would be among men that tried to kill him. And yet the Lord said, I tell you what, there's some praise that comes amidst the, those that would betray him. Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. I can't. That song I'm always brought to mind, Brother and Sister Urshan, back whenever I was a kid. And I know I used to, for God forgive me for this, whenever I was a young kid, I used to think it was funny whenever. Brother and Sister Urshan would get up and sing this, especially Sister Urshan with her voice. And yet the older I get, the more I realize that that doctrinal preaching of elder Brother N.A. Urshan kind of held the United Pentecostal Church in a way that I believe that now that we need doctrinal preaching, that we need men of God to stand up in pulpits. And I know it's not exciting. I know we're not running and jumping and nobody's getting healed and deliverance and all that. But hear me out, when we understand the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is peace that can come to your heart that will take you beyond the grave and will move you into eternity. Oh, how I love him. Oh, how I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my savior I know He became your Savior as well, but I just believe this, that the longer you live for the Lord, then the more you ought to become even more grateful and thankful for what the Lord has done in your heart and done in your life. Oh, there is security and there is salvation and there is freedom and anointing in what the Lord has done in our hearts and in our lives. Oh Jesus, I love you. I am thankful for what you have done in my heart and in my life. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. And uh, I uh I want to just kind of look at this here and Look in Daniel chapter 7. And I want to start in verse 9. And um, Daniel saw this in the Wednesday night Bible study here two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. I don't know. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Revelation chapter 4, when I started just really dug into that scene that goes on around the throne. And here's what Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, here's what he says. He said, And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Look down to verse 27. And Daniel says it like this. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness... Of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve, and they shall obey him. Now turn back and look there in verse 13. He said, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came with clouds of heaven. hear me, church, that there is a part. John 4, 24, God is a spirit. So how in the world are we going to be able to see God? He's going to put on a body. It's going to be like he's going to put on a coat he's a son of man and whenever he begins to walk on this earth there is a visible representation of the Lord Jesus Christ the Old Testament pointed to him as a spotless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world and so when they crucified him and he bled out on Calvary and then they pierced his side and they put that crown of thorns on his head there is something. Something about it, that this son of man, oh, this son of man was the one that was working toward our salvation. Now, let me point out to you, and then I'll quickly move on through the rest of the parts. But here's what Paul says, Romans 1, verse 4, when he told the church at Rome, Look in verse 4 chapter 1 and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom ye also are the called of Jesus Christ because of the Lord's resurrection there is power. That is given to those that identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look to verse 33. Here's Here's where the caution is. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. There was praise in the betrayal. There was something that happened when Judas walked out. And now John tells us, Jesus tells him, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. This is the first caution that the Lord gives us. He said, look, just a little while. He's emphasizing a couple of things. Number one, he's emphasizing the fact that you men that are here with me, make sure you treasure this moment. Because in just a few hours, I'm going to be dead. In just a few hours, what you're going to walk through is going to bend your mind. And so now, I'm just telling you, for the next little while, make sure, this little while, while I'm with you, because it's only going to be a short time that I'm going to be crucified. Here's what happens with the passing of time. And I am certain despite that warning that he gave them that it's like us. That there's times where that you're around someone and they either are absent from your presence or else death takes them away. And you're like, I wish I could go back because I would value that time so much more. I remember Brother Harold telling a story several times in several of his messages that over the years that Sister Paula Thompson would would send to me. And and I heard him tell this story multiple times. He said, I wish I could go back to that little front porch right outside of Lake Charles, Louisiana, where my mom and dad were at. He said, there's so many times, he said, I pulled up to their their house, and he said, we'd talk a little bit, a little while. He said, I'd usually eat. And uh, they went to Brother C.D. Thornton's church, one of the old elders that's been passed on for a number of years now. And he said, whenever I'd leave, he said they had two rocking chairs out there, and he said they'd be sitting out on the front, and he said they'd be rocking in their chairs, and he said, I'd get in my car, and he said, I'd back out the driveway. And he said, they'd both just be waving at me. And he said, the older I've gotten, he was in his 60s and 70s when he was preaching those messages. He said, I'll tell you, he said, I'd give the world to be able to go back and recapture those times because at the time we may not value them. And so I ask you this question here tonight. Now, I know I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. I know that we don't don't have the greatest musicians in the world. We don't have the greatest singers in the world. We're probably not the greatest people in the world. But I will tell you this. Something goes on in this sanctuary when we gather together and worship God. And my question is this. How much do you value what we're doing now? Are you looking at your watch? Are you looking at your phone? You're like, man, I, I got so much. What's the score? What, what's going on in the world? What, what's taking place? Or do you value what is taking place in this moment? And Jesus said these words. He said, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. None of us ever thought COVID was going to come around. In fact, sometimes I, this is facetious, but I do it. I get on YouTube and they got all the prophets. And they had all the prophets that were talking before what's 2020. Is that whenever it all broke loose in March? And all the prophets were prophesying in December and January. Oh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna skyrocket. God's gonna pour out blessings on you. There's gonna be massive amounts of healings, and and your purses are gonna be so full, and your bill foes gonna have money pouring out of them, and you're gonna have fancy new cars with new wheels and big old houses. And none of them saw COVID. Listen to me, church. Everything that's taking place in the Middle East, everything right now that's taking place with Russia and Ukraine, everything that's taking place with China, you better hear me out tonight. You better value what's going on right now in this house of God because our world is moving on track toward this thing being wound up. And Jesus told his disciples... Little children, yet a little while. That's the dilemma of this fleeting life. Gone too soon are the people and the principles that they may have left to us, and we forgot about the caution. Soon this life will all be over, our pilgrimage will end. Soon we'll take our heavenly journey and be at home again with friends, heaven's gates. Are standing open, waiting for our entrance there. Some sweet day we're going over, all the beauties there to share. Just a little while to stay here, just a little while to wait. Just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble in this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals sweeping through the pearly gaze, why don't we stand? Soon we'll see the light of morning then the new day will begin soon we'll hear the Father calling come my children enter in then we'll hear a choir of angels singing out the victory song all our troubles will be ended and we'll live with heaven strong Soon we'll meet again our loved ones And we'll take them by the hand Soon we'll press them to our bosom Over in the promised land Then we'll be at home forever Throughout all eternity What a blessed, blessed morning That eternal morn shall be Just a little while to stay here Just a little while to wait Just a little while to labor In the path that's always straight. Just a little more of trouble. In this low and sinful state. Then we'll enter heaven's portals. Sweeping through those pearly gates. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Oh, no, Jesus. Help us make the most of our little while. Oh, come on, church. Make the most of this little while. Make the most of this little while that you're here in this life. I want to be a disciple of the Lord. I want to be a man of God. I want to be somebody that's valuable and useful to the kingdom of God. Oh, indeed. Jesus name in Jesus name if you want to slip out of your pew there and step in around the altar let's lift our hands let's lift our voice to the Lord here tonight oh our gracious God I am thankful Lord for your grace